This is Carly Walton, and you are listening to the Modern Music Teachers Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Modern Music Teachers Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, this evening, or this morning, whenever you are listening to this podcast. My name is John Kiernan. And I'm Sonia Kiernan. And today we are going to be speaking on the topic of online learning, virtual lessons. Uh, this is a topic that in this current climate in 2020, we're in uh, May 1st right now, but we are really all as teachers, I think, generally transitioning over to virtual lessons, online lessons. We've been doing this now for about a month or so. We know a lot of our fellow teachers and faculty have been doing this as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the different you know, challenges that have come up, some of the different opportunities, and some of the really cool stories that have come out with it. And we're going to be speaking with Carly Walton also, who's probably one of the leaders right now in online learning and delivering that education to teachers. So stay tuned for that a little bit later in the episode. But let's just get started on the conversation here. I am really excited to talk about this because this has been something that within the guitar industry, I think has been going on for a little bit of time now, the online lessons. But um, I'd love to get your perspective first. How are you enjoying these online lessons? Or what do you what do you think of these online lessons, I should ask? So I think in the piano world, it's a little bit of a newer topic and definitely something that a lot of piano teachers have never even thought of venturing into. I know with the uh, guitar community, especially at your level with uh, master classes with different you know, guitarists around the world and musicians that are in different locations, it's more of a common practice. And especially since you have that recording background as well. But at least in the classical piano community, it's something we just had to jump right into. And it's something that a lot of teachers were... I could say like caught off guard. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. They were A lot of teachers were caught off guard. And a lot of teachers had to figure out how to create a brand new curriculum from one day to the next on how to teach piano, how to teach all different levels, beginners, elementary, all the way into advanced, and all the students that were working towards evaluations, competitions, all the evaluations like the Piano Guild, MEA, I'm sure the uh, Royal Conservatory, ABRSM, they're all switching over to video. But the main thing is, we're keeping this going. Piano lessons are still going on. Evaluations are still going on. Competitions are being held. Students are still working towards their goals. And the music community is thriving right now through the internet. I think everyone is thinking, thank God for the internet, because I don't know what would have happened to all of us musicians if, if we didn't have this outlet to communicate with each other and to provide lessons this way. Absolutely. And I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said that there is this growing community also. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different, there are a lot of different ways to really approach teaching in general. But now you go, like you said, into the online sector of it where, you know, there's a certain conglomerate of musicians who do feel comfortable with it. But a lot of musicians are very used to either a having students come over to their homes or be in a classroom or be in a school setting. Uh, so number one, I do really want to applaud 
the entirety of the musical teaching community for really embracing technology and really helping each other out. You know, I think that's one of the great things about music is it is a community and the education community really banded together and helped each other get to where they needed to be. We were all in this together. We're still in this together. And I think that there was a lot of template for this already. But I think now is when people are starting to uh, really dive into that. I know that one thing I really appreciate about online lessons is that for myself with a lot of the technology that I implement, like things like Google Drive, Tenuto, things like that, I implement those things in my lessons already, but I feel like this was kind of forcing families and forcing uh, students to really embrace that as well. Uh, so I'll give you an example. So one of the things that I really like to do is I like to create my own PDFs and my own materials, my own curriculums. Uh, one of the things I do for guitar is I have every major scale. I have all the different fingerings that you would do for your open uh, scales, for example, like your open E major. And then I have places down at the bottom with uh, chord charts to where it'll show like the most common fingerings for certain chords. What I can do in an online lesson is I can write that up right in the moment of the lesson, share my screen with the student, and seamlessly the student can see what's going on on the screen and we can continue the lesson and learn all of these uh, great things and still accomplish the same goals. Um, I am really appreciative of things like that, but I think trying to take that mentality from what you do in the classroom and translate it over to a virtual environment, there are those kinds of ways that you can do it. And my preference, Skype. I love Skype. I think Skype is great. Um, I know there's Zoom, FaceTime, but yeah, Skype allows me to do that screen share. Without screen share, I don't think I would be able to have anywhere near the level of success with, with any of this. And Skype also has, you know, all the fun emojis. They have the fun backgrounds now. You can also screen share YouTube videos, audio. Anything you want, really. Yeah. And I love what you do, too, and what you said about the emojis, because in the middle of the lesson, I've seen you where a student has done really well and you sent them the thumbs up or the smiley face emoji. And it's just, you know, it, it's like a lot of teachers use stickers. It's the equivalent of that, even gifts and things like that oh, yeah. you can use. Those are just, it's, it just makes the lessons come alive a little bit more and it makes it feel uh, not so static. It makes it feel like, oh, you're still in the lesson room and it's still exciting. Yeah. Definitely. Now, like you were saying, we have a lot of resources available to us through our computer and through the internet. You know, Google is one of our best friends nowadays where Absolutely. we can look everything up. We can find pictures. We can find examples. We can find copies of music. IMSLP has every single classical piece in the entire world that you can think of for free because obviously the majority of the composers were born before the whole sure, idea public of, domain that kind exactly of stuff, yeah. yeah they're considered public domain but also i see a lot of teachers using pixelmator and using a little bit more of a graphic design aspect to make their own worksheets make their own curriculum tools for students to use and that's another area that i think us as teachers can definitely dive into and 
to the point of games as well. We can make our own games. We can design whatever the student needs. And everything that we can think of is possible. Everything that we would have in a physical lesson, I completely think is possible in a virtual lesson. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think the first part of getting comfortable with the virtual lessons is doing it. You know, and it sounds kind of weird to say that, but the first thing is really getting over the fear of how do I replicate that same environment? Because like you said, there's so many different ways that you can accomplish that. I love the fact that you said custom uh, creativity. And basically, I love the fact that you said, let's think about ways to create our own curriculum tools. Because again, now that you're kind of tied to the computer, not only is this an opportunity for teachers and has been an opportunity to learn about the software to do video conferencing, but it's also been a time to where you can customize lessons and learn other software in order to uh, deliver those musical goals and agendas that you have. You know, we spoke about this on a couple episodes ago where we introduced games and things like that. Uh, Carol Matz is a great interactive program. Um, again, as a guitarist, it's not something that I've worked into my students, but I've seen your students use it. I've seen a bunch of uh, different teachers really leveraging that. And that wouldn't be possible without technology. And especially in this time, you can't go wrong with something like that. What's been What's been your favorite part of online lessons? I know that... You know, again, there's a little bit of a learning curve to it, but what are what are your? I'll, I'll double that. What's your favorite thing about it, and what's one thing that you think a lot of these teachers, including us, could improve upon with online lessons? Definitely, my favorite thing that's going on right now, and I hope this is going on with other teachers as well. Parent involvement has increased absolutely, and I don't think it's just because they're stuck at home with their kids. I honestly think it's because parents see that, especially with the younger ones, my youngest student taking online lessons right now is four years old and he's getting ready for the recital with his piece, London Bridge is falling down. Him and his mom are sitting there, they're rocking it out. They're telling me how many times they practiced. But parents are really aware of how much students benefit from the parents being involved and not just scheduling a practice time and then leaving them alone, but really knowing what the teacher expects from them, what to listen for, what the student should be doing in terms of practicing and and, and what is expected out of the music that they're playing. And that that to me is my all-time favorite thing. And my communication with parents has doubled. They're texting me. I'm sending them video examples. I'm sending them pictures. They're sending me pictures. What does this mean? What is this note? How does this go again? How does this rhythm go again? And students are benefiting from it. And I think it's something that I hope sticks with parents because the more parents are involved, the more the student's going to learn. It's like this little triangle. And if you could see me, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a triangle <laughs> in the air. She is, I can attest to that. But student is at the top and at the bottom, let's say bottom left-hand side, teacher, other hand, right-hand side on the bottom, parent. And that's really how a student benefits the most. The teacher guides them, the parent encourages them, helps them along. Because even with schoolwork, your parents always help you out. 
Well, my parents did anyway. Yeah, mine too. You know, parents helps kids to read. They help them with math. And I think parent involvement should be in the music department as well. Absolutely. And we're going to park there for a second because the communication piece with families has been crucial and has definitely not gone unnoticed. Um, one thing I've started doing with my students also is asking the families to um, record their student or record their kid playing the piece and send it to me, let's say, midweek. Or if they're a biweekly student, send it, whatever the case may be. But like you said, the communication and the involvement that the families can have is is really understated. There was a student that I currently have in my roster, and they're one of my best students. And I would ask the student, oh, do you ever play for your parents? And they'd say no. And I was like, wow, this is this student's been taking lessons with me for a couple of years. So probably the parents heard them playing in the other room, but not so much to the degree of, oh, they, don't, they know what their student is playing or what their kid is playing. Um, in the last month of the uh, craziness that we're in here, we, with this student, have been able to send many videos over where the mom has to actually sit down and record the video of their child. And you're able to see the progress. And at least for me, you hear the excitement on the phone and through text of just them being able to really experience what their kid is you know, delivering and finally being able to hear what they play. Um, also, one thing that I use at my disposal, and I talked about this a little bit ago, is again, Google Drive. One thing I do for all of my students is I have a Google Drive folder set up. I have one folder that's for lesson docs and one that's for music. The music folder is for any sorts of sheet music or any recordings that we do, backing tracks, I'm huge in this environment. And the lesson docs is an individual Google Doc for every lesson. We just write up everything that's been going on, we bullet point it, we have the assignments written down, and then I share it with both the student and the family so that both of them have access to it on their phones, on their iPads, on their computers, wherever. But I felt that's been so helpful because even though you can have a book in the lesson and give the and give have the binder in the hands of the student, you give it to the family, sometimes they leave the lesson and that's really all they wrote. But when you're talking about something like Google Drive, you email it and now it's on their hands. Now they're able to view it also. And I think that's really helped the communication piece also. Yeah, really, communication is key right now. That's what's getting the these, results. Yeah, what's getting the results. Communication is always key, whether you're, in, you know, at your home one-on-one -on -one lessons or especially now through this whole virtual world that we're living in, communication is definitely key. What was the other part of your question? The other part of the question <laughs> was, what are some opportunities or what is uh, one thing that you're seeing as still something that you may have to work through. And whether that be from a technological side or just moving into a virtual environment, what do you think is, let's say, something that's still maybe a little bit of a pain point, let's say, for teachers? Okay. I want your response to this because you're the tech guy. Uh-oh. <laughs> Connection difficulties. Yeah. That's the number one pain point. Whenever there's connection issues where the video freezes or there's poor connection because of, of weather or whatever the reason is, that's the number one issue that's coming up with, with virtual lessons for me anyway. And I think a lot of other 
teachers, especially in more remote areas. I'm sure they're having issues with that. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'm grateful to say that in the majority of my lessons for online lessons, I really haven't had much in the way of connection issues, but I won't say they don't exist. Absolutely not. Um, and we've seen that within the musical community. We've seen that a lot of teachers have said, hey, I want to do online lessons. I want to continue my uh, studio, but unfortunately the internet keeps cutting out or it's not at the right speed. There's a lot of that going on and it, it really boils down to a few things. Um, the great news is in 2020, we have access to some pretty high tech internet generally. Um, that being said, like you said, if you're in a remote area, that obviously makes it a little bit more difficult. There are some things that have really helped that. Number one, first and foremost, trying to do some tests in advance. Um, there are some families and teachers who might not have felt really comfortable with it going into it, but a lot of the successful ones, I will say, did a test or two with the various families to figure out where some of the issues might have been. Something that can make a huge difference is plugging directly the internet cable into the computer, the ethernet cable, as opposed to just doing Wi-Fi. You know, that can really help the connection. Sometimes things such as uh, closing other computer programs that you or your student's family may have on their computer helps out a lot. Restarting and shutting down your computer all the time is very helpful too. Uh, there's a lot of small things that a family and a teacher can do to really try to create the best kind of connectivity possible. Also, one thing that's a, a small tip that I will always put out there, always try if you have a lot of devices that are connected to the internet at once, which we don't think about day to day, but think about it. If you come home and you have an iPhone, you have a computer, maybe you have another computer, maybe you have an Apple TV, things like that. Uh, but anything that connects to your Wi-Fi router, try to turn one or two of them off or put them on LTE during the lesson because that's one less thing that you're... Uh, that you have to worry about being connected to your hotspot or to your uh, Wi-Fi router. So that's definitely something that can help also. But yeah, it's absolutely technology at the end of the day is technology. So there will always be those downtrends. Um, one thing that I will say that's been really cool to see in those moments, though, is that families seem very receptive into trying to either figure out what the issue is or in the worst case scenario, reschedule a lesson. Like there hasn't been much pushback on that at all. Um, and I think there were families that might have been resistant in general to doing online lessons. But I think as time goes on, they're starting to see that if that's the only hiccup, everything else can stay pretty consistent. Definitely. Yeah, the online lessons have been really, um, in, just in terms of being able to continue doing lessons, I think that online lessons can't be understated. And like you said at the top of the uh, at the top of the conversation here, you know, within the guitar industry, we have a lot of you know well-known guitarists who have transitioned to online lessons solely and can teach students from all over the world. I think that's really special. Um, usually, what happens is that teacher goes towards um, sorry. Usually, the student seeks out that teacher for lesson. So it's very much artist to student in a way, or someone that you really look up to and admire. But I think this has really kind of been the impetus to make all of the teaching that goes on in the music world, not just, okay, here's an artist that you really like, let's learn. It's now saying, 
anyone from any age and any teacher from any musical background can continue to deliver a great musical experience. Uh, one thing that I do like that's going to come up in our interview here in a couple is that because these lessons are online, if you are running a private studio, you have the ability to schedule lessons around your convenience, around your leisure, and the family's convenience and leisure. You know, you open up a little bit more time now, and I think that's a really powerful point, too, to bring up. Oh, definitely. Schedules, I think, are a lot more flexible now, not only because of the fact that a lot of activities have been canceled and a lot of sports have been canceled, but also due to the fact that there is that convenience of being at home and being able to just step to the next room and proceed with the lesson right there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And this is not just for piano. This is, you know, with our music school that my wife and I own and run, we are having our vocal teachers, our drum teacher, piano teachers, guitar teachers, all the teachers have really embraced it and figured out the way to make it work best for their environment. Um, you know, with piano, the way that you set up the camera could be a little bit different than you do with guitar. For guitar, I like to have it facing straight on to where you can see my picking hand and my fretting hand and really be able to see that. And I ask the students and the families to set the camera up as well that way. Um, what are some tips and tricks that you've done to really angle the camera in a really good way? Like, what are some things that you could give advice on? We'll definitely have, you, you want the camera to where you can see the keys and the student's hand. A more elevated, angled angle, I guess it would be. <laughs> the angled angle. Yeah, the angled <laughs> angle. <laughs> the elevated, angled angle. Looking down into the keys where you can see the student's hands moving, what finger numbers they're using, that ideally is the best. But everything from, you know, your, your, what are those called? The thing over there? Oh, the tripod. Yeah, everything from a tripod <laughs> that's used to hold up a camera or an iPhone or an iPad to stacking a bunch of books on a chair and having it face the piano. You know, you get creative, but you definitely, the more you can see visually in terms of how the hands move and, and all the keys that are on the piano, that's the best view that you want to have. That's, that's where you can see exactly what the student is doing and you can effectively teach from there and, and give corrections. Yeah, you can basically make sure that you have the best angle possible. And I think this also goes into the lesson of, of using more descriptive language too. As teachers, we want to be as descriptive as possible. We want to be as directive as possible. And that should translate over into what you expect the angle to look like from your students and the angle that you look or the angle that you use on your technology as well. I think one of the funniest things is for our school, someone posted an Instagram story of their setup and one of our teachers was saying, oh, the student's doing great. And when you see the Instagram story, you see just like this fuzzy little chair with a bunch of books holding up an iPad. And it's just like the coolest like corner of the room with a piano set up. 
and just like I don't know I just thought it was like a really innovative way and it went to show <laughs> that you don't need the craziest technology you don't need the craziest tripod you know you can just like you said if you don't have access to any of those tools a stack of books or just really figuring out the way to get the camera angle you can do it oh and, definitely you know inspire the families inspire each other to do it I think there's a lot to be said for that yeah this is a crazy part of history that we're living through and I think teachers all teachers but whether it's music teachers or elementary high school teachers we've been taking the bulls by the horns and and jumping right in there and making sure our students keep getting the education that they've been working hard to 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 do for you know throughout the school year and you know I'm, I'm grateful that we have all of this technology at our hands and it's possible it's definitely possible online lessons are possible recitals are being done competitions are being done we can keep the music going and we can keep the education going for our students it's something that I was nervous about at first, but I eventually got excited about it. I eventually got excited about creating this online curriculum and getting to connect with my students through that medium and really just jump into this whole new world of teaching that I was unfamiliar with, but now has all it has its own benefits. Absolutely. And talking about the online teaching curriculum. I think it's about time that we jump into our interview with one Carly Walton. Do you want to talk a little bit about who we're going to be interviewing today? I said the name, but do you want to give a little bit of highlight as to what they do, who they are before we get into this? So Carly Walton has a virtual music online course to teach piano and it's called teach music online where you can teach anytime anywhere and it's a full kit explaining everything you need to know about how to teach online from somebody who has a 100 percent online studio and it's successful it works and she can tell you how to make it work for you. She can make your technological life easier. She's a Berkeley College of Music grad, and we're really happy to have her here today. Yeah, definitely. And I'm grateful for this interview, too, because with musicians and technology, sometimes they intersect, sometimes they don't. But Carly Walton is a lover of technology, so it makes it really easy to, you know, she, she breaks it down in a way that makes it completely 100% not scary at all for anybody who may have any fear about technology. Uh, Berkeley College of Music grad, as we talked about, music educator. She is definitely someone that you're going to want to hear about this topic on. So we will go ahead and start the interview now. Thank you everybody so much to listening to the Modern Music Teachers podcast. Thank you to listening for our, thank you for listening to our previous episodes here. You can find us on Podbean. You could find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically anywhere where you pick up podcasts, you can listen to us. Facebook. Facebook. We're Facebook too. We're over on Instagram. Basically search out on Google Modern Music Teachers Podcast and you'll find our stuff here. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the interview coming up right now with Carly Walton. If you're a piano teacher teaching online, you're probably familiar with the name Carly Walton. 
who is one of the leading names in teaching piano online right now and has an amazing Facebook group and website called Teach Music Online, where you can find anything you need in order to teach online, get started, and keep those lessons going. How are you, Carly? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun to be here. Yeah, we're great. You know, it's great to have you, and we're really happy to have you on our podcast because this is really a time where everyone is just going online and we just see more and more teachers switching and switching and it's something that's brand new territory for so many of us and it's something that i think is probably going to become more common as we go into the later years and also just going into technology is going to be something that's going to be more common territory as the years go by. Do you agree? Oh, yes. I I already felt that way six months ago when I created the course, but the, the past month has clearly shown teachers that online teaching is in the future for them. I think whether they really want it to be or not, it's something that everyone is kind of has kind of been forced into, but I think it's a great thing because I love, I love online teaching. <laughs> How did you get started with online teaching? I started teaching online about eight years ago. When I was in Arizona, I had a very full studio, and two of my students mo were moving to Texas. And I, I think I had heard something about online lessons through a website, and when they told me they were moving, I thought, you know, this would be a really good opportunity for me to test out doing lessons on Skype. And so, and I was good friends with this family. And so when I brought up the the opportunity to continue working with them on Skype, the mom was just very excited about it and thought, well, that helps us. It's convenient and we don't have to find a new teacher. <laughs> so I started teaching them online. And I will say the first month, like many teachers are experiencing right now, was hard. I think figuring out technology, um, figuring out positioning and how to communicate online, all of those things just take time. But that's that's really how I started. And immediately I saw the convenience for myself and for my students. I noticed that they were progressing. I noticed that I could still teach the methods that I taught when I was online. And so I slowly started getting more referrals for online lessons. And within about a year, I had 20 online students. And then a few years later, I switched to an exclusive online studio. Oh, wow. That's definitely not something that you hear nowadays that a teacher teaching exclusively online. Yeah, yeah, it's very unique. And, you know, it's been eight years now and I, teachers ever since then, teachers and families and people that I meet are always so intrigued by online teaching. And now with the crisis that we're in, I think a lot of teachers have been previously hesitant or anxious or kind of nervous about making the transition or a lot of them didn't think it could work. And I've been so impressed with teachers diving in and just amazed that, well, amazed that they're doing it and that they have the courage to do it, but also so delighted with the feedback I'm hearing from so many teachers who are saying, wow, it actually does work and my students are, are learning and it was fun. And part of me is thinking, yes, like this is exactly why I have been a proponent of of not not teaching online exclusively necessarily, but implementing online lessons in a studio. I think has so many benefits. 
Of course. And I like how you brought up earlier, too, that there were students that, you know, moved away and they wanted to continue lessons with you. And because of technology, you were able to really give that option to a lot of families. And I think even, you know, even now you talk to some families who, let's say in this time period, are like, well, you know, there's a little bit of resistance to online lessons at first with some people. But I think now, especially as of this, we're going to see this moving forward. Um, when you're talking to different teachers who are now starting to implement online lessons into their curriculum, or let's say just make the transition in general, uh, what kind of opportunities do you see or what kind of challenges do you see when they're trying to take their current way of teaching or current methodologies and adapt them into a virtual environment? So the do you want, sorry, you want to talk about the challenges or about the the possibilities? Sure. So about some of the challenges first, and then we'll talk about some of the possibilities later. Okay. Yeah. The challenges initially a lot of teachers face is the tech. There's a lot of teachers who have been very traditional. You know, they were trained traditionally, and that's how they have run their studio. They may have used an app here or there, but or but they don't even know like how to do online payment transactions or how to use an app online. Some of them have never used Zoom or Skype. And so I completely understand why that feels so overwhelming and so trying when they have to do it suddenly. And previous to the crisis, you know, as I've coached teachers and trained teachers, I've trained them to make the transition gradually and first use online lessons for makeup lessons and then use it if someone moves away, use it maybe when you're traveling. And then if you like it, teach online and and go for it. Well, now the challenge is they don't have an option and it's either lose lose their students for maybe the next five months or figure it out and teach online. And I I just, I, I can't imagine that feeling. I feel very grateful that I, I've already known how to teach online. But I think that's the biggest challenge is being, having to learn how to do it basically overnight raises a lot of concern and anxiety, um, especially with the tech. Oh, definitely. And... Let's see, what was the other part of the question that you were referring to? Oh, so what are some of the opportunities when it comes to online teaching? Um, I know for myself, I've been in the same boat as you. I've been teaching online uh, a couple of different lessons here and there for guitar for about the last five years or so. And I feel like, you know, being able to teach in both a virtual environment and in an in-person environment, there's different tools you can use. Like you talked about, you can really utilize different apps for me. One of the biggest ones I use is Google Drive pretty continuously and then musictheory.net by extension to Nudo. Um, and that's something we've implemented into our school here. But uh, what are some of the opportunities you see for online teaching uh, using some of the resources, let's say? There, there is so much out there. It can almost feel overwhelming when you start getting in these Facebook groups and hearing about all the possibilities. Um, but I, I really think that as teachers gradually incorporate online lessons, they'll immediately see some of the benefits. So yes, having resources. I actually love Tenuto as well. I think it's an amazing app. I also feel that teachers with an online studio, they have so much flexibility. So one of the main concerns with a teacher who teaches after school hours, 
typically is they, they're limited to these hours from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. And you can only fit so many students in during those hours. And then students have con after school conflicts where they have sports and choir concerts and band concerts and things like that that really conflict throughout the year. With online lessons, I love having a little bit of a hybrid where your in-person students can switch temporarily to online lessons. And maybe they're taking on Saturday mornings and they don't have to come to your house. So it's super convenient for that for that month or two months. And so if a teacher is set up to teach online, which a lot of teachers right now are learning how, I really think it's going to benefit them moving forward, whether or not they're full-time online. Another amazing benefit and possibility is being able to market your studio around the world. And so if you live, let's say, in New York, you can market to students that live in California and they're, or Arizona, and they're three hours earlier than you. So you can really teach into the evening. You can teach until 11 p.m. and it would be a normal hour for them. Or you can even reach to students in different countries and in different time zones and expand your teaching time. I've had teachers reach out to me who say, hey, I really want to be at home with my kids when they're home from school, but I can't because I teach. I'd love to be able to build out my studio. So I'm teaching online during the day. So I work with them in figuring out how to market their studio to fill those other hours and really have more control over their studio. So those are just a couple of things. I, I could do a whole podcast on the possibilities. <laughs> the next question I was going to get into is going into Carol Matz's interactive piano method and just that idea of virtual method books and more online interactive method books. Now, hers is the main one that I'm familiar with, but I really love that idea. I love that concept. And also, one thing that I've been noticing is also, you know, accompaniment tracks and backing tracks that are starting to come with a lot of the songs that our students are learning. And... One thing I would love to see is more virtual method books. Are there any other ones that you're familiar with? Or do you think that that's going to start becoming a trend now with more people doing online yeah. lessons and more people using online resources and, and books? You know, it's interesting. I feel that if 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 the music world or the, the publishing world does not up their game in this in this neighborhood of like of creating digital resources, then students will move on. Like no one will buy Faber anymore, unfortunately, because there are so many up and coming resources for digital interactive methods for students and teachers. So Carol Matz is one of them. I love her stuff. She has some amazing resources that are online. Another really neat one is called SuperScore. It's an app and it's a digital library, but when you purchase the song, it or the book, it's it's a lot of books you're already familiar with. So Carol Matz's library is in there, and then there's some Alfred books in there. A couple of other um, well-known publishers have books in there. The music is called Fluid, so when you zoom in and out, the music actually adjusts with the iPad, and then it plays along with you. So it's a MIDI connection. You can connect it to your keyboard and you can play along with it. It'll stop if you aren't playing the right note. So it like actually won't progress if you aren't playing. It's amazing. I think it's incredible. And, and we will for sure see more of these coming out. And I just think that some publishing companies need to start getting some digital books out there. Even if they're not interactive, they, we just need more digital music. Oh, I completely agree. One of the main things that we do concentrate on in our school here in New Jersey is integrating technology. 
And even technology, you know, even compositional programs like GarageBand and, and Logic Pro is mm-hmm. something that we offer at our school where kids can learn to compose music and get more into a creative mindset through that online portal. And a lot of students, their device already has GarageBand in it and they're they've been already toying around with it and and kind of expressing that creative outlet that I think can be incorporated into a lot of our lessons nowadays. Oh, definitely. And we need to meet these students where they are. They're already using phones. They're already using iPads. They are so used to being never bored, basically, with these with this tech. And if we can find music apps, and just like you said, it's amazing to use GarageBand with our students and help them compose and learn and learn how to learn how to be creative. If we can meet them there versus trying to bring them to a traditional um, mindset, you you will still have those students that are that's wonderful to train classically and have all those traditional methods. But I'd say for the most part, students love, they love being creative. They love composition. They love jazz. They love chords. They love lead sheets. All of the things that I think as teachers, we used to be, and I say we, I'm saying like, so I'm 31. My generation of Berkeley College of Music students may have been hesitant to introduce to students in the at the elementary level or intermediate level. We can't, we can't be hesitant anymore because we've got to keep up with our students. (laughs) And I think students are definitely responding to this whole integration of technology. They feel more connected with it. I see they get more excited about it because they're more familiar with it. They feel like they can relate to it better. And it's opening up an entire new world of something you can have in your lesson plan that I definitely didn't grow up with. And I was never you know, I never had anything creative really in my piano lesson, but I also had a very, I don't want it, a very traditional kind of mm-hmm. piano upbringing, I'll say, where, you know, I, I did the whole piano guild thing and it was very like competition oriented and classical oriented and, and technique, which you know, I still use that today, which, all you know, I love going through the Piano Guild, which some of my students have. But there is a whole different world that I believe is out there and, you know, that both John and I believe is out there. And when students get to combine their technique, their knowledge of music, their knowledge of music theory and everything they learn in a lesson into that whole new technological world, I think that's when we really see students flourish and and students open up and the parents get to see a side of them also that they, you know, they probably never knew existed. They probably, you know, they, a lot of them are really surprised at what their students, I mean, what their kids come up with. We're surprised with what our students come up with. And it's really a whole new world that we're pushing forward with and, we're really kind of diving into and and coming up with new ideas and, you know, collaborating with our students more as musicians and treating them more as musicians as they come up with all these new ideas and we discover all these new technologies together. And this is something that I think, you know, the, the whole world of teaching needs to start to dive into and this needs to develop. 
I often make, yeah, definitely. I, oh, sorry. No, I, I often make an argument too with a lot of my uh, my families and even my composition students too that sometimes the technology even helps you progress a lot quicker than you even think you could. You know, you bring up SuperScore, uh, something that plays with you or something that kind of keeps track when you're plugged in via MIDI. Um, you know, something like Logic Pro, someone who can create some sort of amazing composition or create something with even just a few basic chords, do a lot of transposition, which if you break it down in theory can be a little bit advanced. Um, but I think there is a lot of opportunity with technology to advance students even further sometimes where tech or technique wise, they may be further back by let's say a couple of years, but creatively or like really like kind of from an emotional side point of, oh my God, this is something really cool that I'm creating. It's able to push them further quicker. Definitely. And I, as I think of these teachers teaching online, there there's a whole world of opportunity with using that tech. There's also another aspect of online teaching that can be addressed as far as group classes and performances and recitals. Zoom makes it so easy to connect your students to one another. They don't have to leave their house. They don't have to schedule a few hours on a Saturday to drive to a recital venue. It's so convenient for families to get their students online and to attend a recital. Or I've heard of teachers, and I've done this myself, scheduling workshops on a Saturday, or I guess now we can do it any day really because so many kids are home from school, but doing a composition workshop on a Thursday morning and maybe a student pays $10 for that. And a teacher, you know, thinking of it financially can make more from group classes and workshops than they might from one-on-one -on -one lessons. There's just so much opportunity for teachers and I'd love to see them really take advantage of the tech, of the creativity, and really thinking outside the box, like what kind of music education can we share with our students? You know, am I really stuck in these method books? What if I didn't touch a method book for a whole lesson? What could I do with these students? What app could I use to help them learn their notes? Or could I get on to Nudo or to Nara <laughs> or another T app <laughs> and give them something that I wouldn't normally if I was staring at a Piano Adventures book? Oh, I completely agree. It's, you know, exciting for the student to dive into. And it's been a really exciting journey for me and uh, my husband, John, as well, as we just discover all these new ways to teach, all these new apps, all these new, you know, games and worksheets that we have here. Kind of tracking back to how you mentioned group lessons. Now, how would you recommend you know, for a teacher to run a group class using online lessons. You, so tech, tech, technologically, is that a word? <laughs> With the tech, it's just on Zoom. So you would schedule a meeting or they would just log in or get into the meeting with your meeting ID. And with Zoom, it's really amazing. You can mute everyone at the same time, and then students can raise their hand when they have something to say or share. With recitals and group classes, I will unmute one student at a time to have them perform or play. And as far as content inside of a group class, I will do a composition lesson. I'll send them materials before the lesson, and then they have th everything printed out and ready to go. And so we can all be looking at the same material, the same lesson. I teach them a little bit and then give them time to work on it, to practice. I And that's with all of them muted. And so I can hear them, but they can't, I guess, wait, if they're muted, I will unmute one of them at a time and listen to them playing. And then they can perform for each other. And then I also usually do an app or a sight reading 
at the end. It, it depends on the teacher's expertise. What do they enjoy? If they're a jazz teacher, they can do some lead sheet activities. If Or teachers can get outside of the box. There's so many educational materials online. Teachers Pay Teachers is an amazing resource where if a teacher was really wanting to learn composition with their students, they can get on and search composition activities, beginner piano, and get about 200 <laughs> worksheets. I mean, it might be a little overwhelming, but there is a lot online. And so I'd suggest finding an activity or two. And another thing they could do is do group classes around holidays, which students really like to mix things up around the holidays. It, it kind of, if lessons are starting to feel mundane, it's a fun time to do a St. Patrick's Day lesson or a Halloween composition worksheet with a group class. What I did in my studio for a long time was the last week of every month was a group class. And I had 20, I think 24 students at that time. So I'd split them up into three classes and they were on Friday. So my lessons for that week were in three hours on a Friday. And I planned all week long and had them in those group classes and they loved it. They really looked forward to it. It gave them an opportunity to not only perform, but to see their peers online and to learn something new that we wouldn't do, do normally during a lesson. One thing that I love that you continue to bring up is you continue to bring up different apps. You continue to bring up different activities. You also bring up different holidays, different uh, composition ideas. And it just sounds like, and it for me, I know it feels like, and for the rest of our teachers, that where technology may have seemed like it was very restrictive up front, you are seeing that you can really, just as you do in the classroom, you can really mm -hmm. take this technology, you can really take these different ideas and still be as creative, if not even more using this digital environment. You know, you have the ability, like you oh, said, if yeah. you're able to plan in advance and you're able to, um, you know, deliver these sheets in advance or even just have a game plan for what you're looking to do, you can really create a creative environment which, you know, can not just include people from your local area, but people from all over the globe now. You know, teaching in general, if you're a good teacher in person, you'll be fantastic online. If a teacher struggles with in-person lessons, they're going to struggle online. It's, it's really not very much different. If someone loves to teach and share their passion, they're going to love it online. It's a different avenue and a different um, a way of a different method of communication, but it, your your passion for what you do and what you have will shine through online just as much as it does when you're sitting next to a student. It does take some getting used to, but I think in general as teachers, as music teachers, we have such an important role in helping our students in mentoring them in providing them with something that they can love and cherish forever. And it doesn't matter how we give it to them. There's groups, there's teachers in my group right now that are saying they've opted to do an email every week for their lesson. So they do basically they email all of their students, a couple of activities and a couple of assignments, and then their students send videos back to her. And I'm just thinking that is amazing. Just, just the creativity and the problem solving that um, that goes on right now with teachers. I think teachers are the smartest. <laughs> Music teachers are the smartest people. <laughs> now we're talking about the we're talking a lot about the technology now, obviously, but. You know, when we talk to music teachers, we talk about the teaching philosophy that they have going into a classroom or going to a virtual classroom here. Uh, what are some of your teaching philosophies when it comes to uh, teaching music? I, I think I mentioned a couple of them. I really just love helping students have a passion for music and catering a lesson or a class to these students and 
finding out finding out what it is that that makes them excited and and gives them a little bit of joy you know we're in a world right now that not just right now i'm talking about in the past you know five years students are bogged down by social media they are bullied they are they they might be having problems in their home life or with siblings or parents like we have no idea what they're going through and i as a teacher just want to be a light in their lives and and be happy and fun and you know that's me coming from a place where i am a very strict teacher i'm a very um i give my i push my students i give them hard assignments i expect a lot of them and over the years i've toned that down because i've realized the more important what's more important is that they is is that they enjoy music versus um grow as fast as I want them to. I think there is a healthy balance um, between those two. I've also taught in choral music. I've taught choral music in high school and I've done K through eight general music and keyboard classes. So I really love being in front of a class of students as well. Um, I hope that communicates my philosophy okay, but I think it's always changing. Um, right now, it's really to help students step out of the world they're in and just have fun. No, we couldn't agree more with your philosophy. And like, like we've been saying before, I think it's just kind of opening that whole world of learning to the student and just kind of breaking down all these boundaries that we had before. Even, like I said, even when I was learning piano, the only thing I, I knew about was what was in front of me in terms of what the teacher was giving me and what my friends were playing who were also taking piano lessons. There was no... I mean, when I was really little, there was no internet. When I was first starting piano, there was no Google, there was no YouTube. If I wanted to watch or even listen to, I couldn't even really watch, but if I wanted to listen to a classical recording or somebody playing the piece that I was playing, I had to go to the library, rent a CD, and then, <laughs> you know, put my headphones on and listen to my little CD player. And I think now with the internet, as our main resource, you know, we I had um we had another podcast with this cellist Tina Guo who said that you know Google and YouTube are our best friends right now. We can learn anything from Google, and we can you know search anything through Google, and that's another resource that I think as piano teachers really are lucky to have. Because that's how I found a lot of these, you know, worksheets and, mm -hmm. you know, Susan Paradise is another one. Yes. Making Music Fun, I think, is another one, you know, with Tenuto as an app, it is also online. And you can YouTube different pieces and you can just sit there in YouTube and just keep clicking on works by Kevin Olson or Melody Bober and then this mm -hmm. you know duet comes up and you're like oh what's this and you're going through all this all this repertoire and discovering all this music that you know kind of my point is with all this that the internet is such a big tool and such a huge world for piano teachers and for music teachers that it's something that we should definitely start to use, you know, go through YouTube, go through Google, 
If you don't know how to do something, look it up. There's more than likely a video or multiple videos or a chat or something that's going to tell you or even show you how to do it and how to, you know, really achieve that goal that you have in your mind or that new program that you're trying to learn how to use. I think this is a great time to be a piano teacher. Oh, so it's so great. It's so fun. I think teachers, as they start looking for materials, they might get a bit overwhelmed because of what's available online. One thing that I that I teach is is for teachers to keep everything organized on Google Drive and really, really start building a digital library of your materials, of your handouts, of your PDFs, of your worksheets, so that when you need something for a student, you know exactly where it is. That's something I struggled with my first couple of years as I was online. I wanted a digital library and I wanted access to lots of materials to emails, email to students. Well, those materials piled up and I ended up needing to completely redo my library and everything. But teachers can learn early, earlier than I did. And just keeping yourself organized, maybe planning out a curriculum that you, that you, of the materials you use most often in a, in a spreadsheet so that as your students progress, you can kind of reuse the same methods. Definitely. So I want to thank you for coming on our podcast again and really leading a lot of piano teachers into the online teaching world and making the transition just so easy for all of us and through you know through all the resources that you have on your websites your video workshops that you do as well on facebook all of that can be found on the facebook group let me bring it up and then also, yeah, I just want to take online. <laughs> yeah, I want to take a second to give you the floor to tell us of all the places that you or tell everybody where we could find your yeah. work. Wow. Sure. I the the Facebook group Teach Music Online is such an amazing community of teachers. I learned so much from these amazing online teachers who are shifting online right now and sharing a lot of like wins and stories and funny things about their students. So it's a fun place. That's teach music online it is a closed group so I have to approve teachers into the group and then my website is teachmusic.online and right now I have a course that is a very comprehensive course I created this six months ago so the timing really couldn't have been better and it is taking it's really helping teachers go from knowing nothing all the way to having a thriving online business not just teaching online so it's set up but then it's also elements of a studio group classes recitals business planning and planning your curriculum your lesson plans your studio policies your forms kind of helping teachers like if they didn't know anything about tech or how to be organized as a business owner i really help them with that and then with marketing and branding and basically everything i could think of is in that course and to help teachers right now during this really really challenging time we are offering the course at whatever price they can afford and so whatever that is we we want to give access um, during this really unique challenging time to teachers um, so that they can have the training that they need to make this transition successfully perfect yeah thank you so much and again it's really exciting it's as much as i think it's unnerving for some people i think we can only see it as exciting going forward and again thank you so much for making the time you're welcome. It was so fun. It's fun to meet you guys.